Welcome to Deliberately Developmental Organisations with Adam Coleman. Adam Coleman owns and runs one of Ireland's only DDOs. And at the time of launching his HR software company, HR Locker, Adam did not realise what a deliberately developmental organisation was. However, after having created his ideal company culture, a friend and consultant from a major firm in Ireland informed him that he had indeed created a DDO organically. Adam, who had then crafted his ideal work culture for himself, his family and employees at HR Locker, then realised what his company had become. We at HR Locker have persuaded Adam to finally document and record his lessons learned to inspire other business leaders and allow them to learn how to follow suit and build a DDO culture. Welcome to Deliberately Developmental Organisations. In this episode, we speak to Adam about where to start as a business leader if you're hoping to become a DDO. It's been a long journey in terms of anybody else out there who who might be listening who relates to the story or might be where you were in 2006 or 2017 for example are there major major challenges or pitfalls or really what would you say to somebody who said adam i'm after taking a look at an everyone culture um i want to embark upon a ddo culture um i've just got ray dalio's book principles and uh, and i i have not so much a startup but a business that hasn't been a ddo up until the point what kind of a conversation do you think you'd have with that person? I think everybody gets caught up on what they do. But in order to have a really, really dynamic, positive culture, you have to focus on how you do it. Mm-hmm. And when you focus on how you do it, you need to set out a number of principles, competencies, whatever you want to call them. It doesn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. So what I would do, and quite happy to do this with anybody, I will send them a list of 70 of them. Share them with your two or three major stakeholders in your business, as in the CEO, because at the end of the day, the culture of the organization starts off with the founder and the CEO. Um, and and it, it's always started from the top, but it only works if it's bought in from the bottom. Yeah. So what you need to do is you need to basically decide on a number. It can be two, three, four, five, six. I would probably say start off with three. Mm-hmm. Because if I look at our principles now, we're at seven principles. Yeah. We could go to 25 principles. Ray Dalio, I think, is and Bridgewater are in about 147. How he manages that is mm-hmm. I'm not so sure. Um there was a couple of things that were said to me by one or two of the people who were working with us at that time. The one, one person uh, who worked with us at the time kept saying to me, he says, stop talking about Ray Dalio. It's about Adam Coleman. Stop talking about Robert Keegan. It's about Adam Coleman. It's Adam Coleman's thing, not theirs, which was very flattering, to be honest with you. But it sort of made me think, okay, you can't make people read stuff or believe stuff Mm. so i sort of took a different slant and i took it from a point of view as it's our culture it's not a ddo but ddo is an easy way to explain it to people who understand what a ddo is okay Mm -hmm. and if they've read an everyone culture and they know what the curian have done and or they know what next jump have done or they know what bridgewater associates and ray dalio have done and the way they do it then they can, it's a shortcut to understanding. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, one of the ones when I saw it was, and I think it was, uh, I think it was Trust and Truth. When we started to build up Trust and Truth, and uh, that was put forward because during that time, which was very dark for me, which around 2016 and 17 with with that CTO and the various other people involved there, um, uh, it um, we 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 decided that trust and truth was a behaviour that we needed to to put in situ. Yeah, and I think was where one of the people who um, probably would have had a fractious relationship with me at the time, uh, who now has a wonderful relationship and is still in the business. Great. Uh, he or she he, would. He or she, <laughs> he or she proposed that uh, that one of the what good looks like would be that everybody should be treated well, no matter what their position was in the business. And that person basically, obviously, felt at that stage that I had been treated badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that was a real wake up call. Yeah, real. Oh, my God, we're doing something right here because that person is a really good person. And I couldn't understand why he or she or it, for that matter. Um, not that they didn't like me, but they didn't trust me. And that was mm-hmm. what trust and truth is all about. You you have to put trust in the company. The company is a living thing. We all get our wages from the company. The company allows us to do things with our lives, lives including myself. And, you know, it, it, it does have a personality. And it's not employees against the company. It's the employees should trust the company, that the company will do right by them. And it's, it's, it almost has the same persona as a person. And it has feelings. Mm-hmm. And it has it has emotions. Probably starts with the CEO anyway, but you know what I mean. And I'm, I'm probably talking about myself. But I feel I feel myself. I'm I'm I I am one step removed from the company now, mm-hmm. even though I'm the CEO and founder. I'm yeah. still one step removed from because I want those principles of the company embody what the company is about. And as you're on the topic of transitioning um, into an open, transparent organization. Are there any major challenges that you would kind of impart some wisdom to current CEOs who want to move there, but they're actually coming from very traditional cultures at the moment where it is very much, you know, it's not it's not that open, transparent. You do tend to bring that second person to work to hide your vulnerability a little bit. I know that staff members or, or team, play, team members can struggle a little bit when it's being implemented, but from a CEO's point of view, is it, would it, is it, it was also tough for you to start, even though you championed, uh, open transparency was it tough for you to actually try to to move your mindset into that space as well? And do you think it would be tough for other CEOs? Um, God, I I I'm going to answer this question, and I hope it doesn't sound too big-headed. Like I, I've done lots of international selling postgrads, and you know, HR management, CIPD stuff, and qualified in this, qualified in that. But I think I, I I was lucky because my my basic degree was 
Greek and Roman civilization and history. And my favorite part of that was, was Greek philosophy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my hero is Socrates, and I'm not talking about the Brazilian soccer player, although he, <laughs> is pretty, he was pretty cool too. Um, I'm talking about, you know, Socrates as written by Plato. Mm-hmm. And I've always believed in, I know what I don't know, which is the Socrates thinking, and which is a hell of a lot, Ronan. I, I, I you know, I, I know what I know, and I know what I don't know, and yeah. and I've always sort of held that as the centre of how I operate myself. Now, I'm going to be honest. Ego gets in the way sometimes, and 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 I've learned in the last year only to take my ego out of everything I do, mm-hmm. and do I still? bring ego into stuff, of course I do, because I'm human. Yeah. But if I ever have a fractious moment with an employee, a staff men- member, um, a client, or whatever, I-, I now say, okay, let's take the egos out of the room and let's look at the situation that we're in, right? Mm-hmm. And by saying that, it's helped me get through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Because ego... Ego is useless. Ego is worthless. And and it's a manifestation of of a person's state. And if you can learn how to control your ego, there's amazing things you can do. Yeah. And what I'm talking about there is, I'm not talking about the senior people in the organization. You could take the guy who is in the union, but is not the union rep, but he's massively influential. He's the guy that you want to make a champion. Hmm. Or the lady who is working away really hard, everybody likes and everybody respects. She's a champion. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have one or two people who are obviously senior people who are looked up to. Um, you know, once you put a pilot of the champions together and you get them to understand themselves first, and you might use something like Insights Discovery, which we use internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I used when I was a consultant as well. And the first thing is for them to understand their own styles and communication styles and preferences. Mm-hmm. And you're giving something to them specifically. Mm-hmm. And once you have that sort of trust built up, then you tell them basically what you're trying to do as, as an organization and you get their honest feedback. And like any humans, they're going to be absolutely intrigued by this and bought into this mm-hmm. if you select the right people. Yeah, of course. And I'm talking about they don't have to be all the teachers pet within the organization, preferably not, preferably the guys who stop things from happening but are, and are quite influential. Mm-hmm. And to do it on a pilot basis in a department or in a group or, you know, and, and you know, you don't have to go into this. Uh, I, I, you know, even even selecting HOIS platforms is, is my thing is, you know, solve a business problem. Don't go looking for HR software. In this situation, create a DDO in a small area of your business, you know, and watch it. And if, you, if it doesn't work, don't implement it in the rest of